Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Welcome to episode six of the Story Studio with your hosts Luke Condor and. Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company that explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor, and I'm joined by Daniel Wilcox. How's it going, dude? Are you all right? Yeah, good. I always feel cheesy saying my own name. I don't know why. You wish I, was... I have to get used to it. I always feel cheesy saying my own name. Well, just generally in life. Like, yeah, if anyone's like, who are you? It's Daniel Wilcox. We don't have to say it like that, though, do you? Uh, yeah, it just seems to come out that way. It's Daniel Wilcox. <laughs> come on down. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? How's the writing going and everything? Uh, yeah, it's going well. It's been um, a bit of a slower week than the previous weeks, but I, to be fair, I think we're about halfway through the book, so that lull is a bit to be expected. We are... So I think the last time we spoke about this on the podcast was we were on about 10k i think so we're now we've now well i guess you're on about 45k i'm on about 43k 42k or something like that yeah yeah just above but about that yeah yeah we're going pretty well i think yeah yours going well i think so yeah so i'm still in that transition period from the middle of the book to, to sort of building into the what's going to be the crescendo towards the end do you know what i mean yeah, I think that's one of the hardest parts to do is make sure that by the end of it, it's a satisfying ending that kind of rounds everything up and ties everything nicely together. Because yeah. obviously it's the first of a series, so there will be a few unanswered yeah. things. But just, yeah, just want to make sure that I'm in the same situation. I want to make sure that that ending is good. And I mean, we did, we spoke about this earlier this week, just because our stories have taken a bit of a different turn and need a bit of a, just a bit of a brainstorm, wasn't it? Just to tidy up a bit. It's funny that the we both had issues around the same sort of part of the book. Do you know what I mean? So we both, I think we both stuck fairly to the beats up till about, um, I say, sixty seventy percent away to through, and then we we both realised that something has to change at the end. There, it's not quite right. So you only really know how the book's supposed to end once you're starting to write the book. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a nice 
lesson, I guess, that it seems to take some of its own direction. I mean, like you say, it's stuck quite closely to the original beats, but I think in the original planning, we might have been a bit too ambitious with stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's about bringing it down to, to base level and just using what we've got. And I think that, to be fair, I feel like the ending that was planned was going to be quite dramatic and action-packed for um, my book, Lazarus. But I think now it's kind of dialed back a lot and it's gone completely the other way. It's going to be a bit more of a, uh, I don't know, a bit more of a, a heart-tugging yeah. ending if I do it right. But I'm very, very happy with the direction that it's gone. But it is completely cool. different to what we planned. And I think that's something that does just happen in that process. Yeah, and also that... Um... That leaves more room for, like, you know, stuff we can do in other books, book two or three, further down the line. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not wasted stuff. It will be, it'll come back. It's just part of that bigger picture. How have you been finding doing, like, the general word counts, like, getting down every single day? Yeah, I've um, been fairly consistent up until uh, this week, in which, I mean, I had a chest infection last week, which meant that I was at, at home all week from work. So, I tried to stick in as many words as I could then, and I managed to do all right with it. Mm. But I think this week, what with coming out of that and being back in work meant that it's felt harder this week. Um, so I have had a couple of days this week where I've done 400, 500. Um, yeah. But, but you take what you can, don't you? It's, it happens. I've been the same. I've just moved house, so it's... It, I, don't, I, didn't, I, I keep setting out to do more words, but then... It just seems to be there's not enough time in the day at the minute. Like when I get home and it's like moving stuff to do, like we're still cleaning up the house because it wasn't quite tidy <laughs> um, in terms of just like um, loads of fixtures aren't working aren't working and stuff like that. So we have to get in touch with the landlords, get them to come around and sort it, sort it all out. So it's been a bit hectic, but yeah. soon it will be a place where you can come and chill. We could do a little write jam. I'd be excited. I'd be well up for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the you know what the funny thing about the whole word count thing is though. So when we originally planned it, we we picked how long we wanted the books to be. We picked or used that to guide how long we wanted to take to do it, how many words to aim for a day that would be realistic. Mm. And we both our target is fifteen hundred words a day, which yeah. to be to be fair isn't too bad. And I've actually been sticking to a personal target of two thousand words a day. And I'm now finding that if I don't hit 1,500, or if I get 1,500, for me, that's a failure because that's not the 2,000 that I'm usually doing, but I'm still yeah. on target for the overall deadline. And it's Yeah, you set like a precedent when you start hitting a certain number every day, and then anything lower than that becomes like a failure or, or a weak day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've hit a couple of days where I've hit 4,000, and now I'm constantly hunging, hunging, hungering. Hunging, so, yeah. Hunging, I'm yeah. constantly striving to get that, but yeah. obviously that's double what I'm expected to do. So, yeah. By the way, yeah. um, last week's episode, the Frizon Comics one. Yeah. Um, that's it's really cool to do interviews on the show. It's quite nice to get people in. Um, oh, hundred percent. They were lovely as well. Yeah, it's also really cool to do it here because when I, in my old podcast, I used to do, do the interviews just in my bedroom, and I remember <laughs> once getting a like an author. Uh, Robert Kelsey on. I was, I was interviewing him over Skype, and I remember halfway through the interview, we just like got it all scheduled. Halfway through, we started hearing like a banging noise, and it it turned it. The podcast turned out okay, but you can hear the banging. We found out like <laughs> my housemate was like tenderizing meat 
just at that moment, <laughs> <laughs> just decided to get the mallet out and went crazy on some beef or something. See, straight away you hear banging, you think, you know, hammer and nail, but... No, no, tend- who tenderizes meat anymore? I've, I've <laughs> no. never tenderized meat. In my I don't know anyone who does it. Apart from that, that person didn't even do it very often. They just did it just then. <laughs> just that one. It's moment like I know. I think Luke's doing a podcast interview. Let's get the meat out. <laughs> Has he got a proper tenderizing hammer? Uh, is it like a bolt pin? I don't know. It had like lots of little pins in it, so I guess it is a tenderizer hammer. Yeah, but the little points <laughs> I had on. Um, the tips episode on one of the story studios. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have people listening out to this now, but I think it was the first one that I did. It was the first one, which was um, when can you start calling yourself a writer? Mm. And if you listen very carefully, in the first minute or so, there's a dog bark just once in the background, and it happened to be the one week that I was looking after um, <laughs> a dog for my nan, and it was in the other room, and it had been quiet for half an hour to an hour, and the minute <laughs> I was like, "Welcome to the story." Ow! <laughs> they know they know man they know but i um, i've I, I recorded it too many times to want to do it again so yeah it sounds good though it turned out well yeah. um i hope people are enjoying those because I, I think they're pretty helpful um yeah, cool. today's show we were going to talk about as um like plot versus wait so let me see if i can reword this uh so character versus story driven plots does that sound about right that's perfect yeah cool but before then, uh, we need to do the big whoops for the week. Oh, what a big whoop. I don't know whose turn it is. Do you want to go first? Have you got one? Uh, I can go first, yeah. Um, I think my my big whoop is uh, a bit of a personal one, and it comes back to, to those word counts. Mm. Um, just purely for... I mean, we spoke about habit in one of the episodes that we've done recently and about building that up, and um, a personal best i guess is just the kind of writing streak that i've been going with and the averaging that i've been getting which a couple of months ago i wouldn't have thought possible Mm. so when i was writing um the draft for a clockwork rose i was finding it you know really fulfilling just getting a thousand words a day and tipping that but i've now gotten into that that habit that pattern where the more i'm writing the more words i'm getting quicker yeah. And the easier it is to hit that, those numbers. And like I say, I'm averaging about 2,000 words a day now. Um, and I think, touch wood, with any luck, that this month will be the first month that I hit that 50K in a month. The NaNoWriMo. The NaNoWriMo limit. Yeah. So yeah. when it comes around to NaNoWriMo, I'll be ready to smash that, I think. But I have tried a couple of times since I've started writing to do that 50K in a month. Hmm. And just fell short. It's either been sort of around thirty-eight, forty k. Yeah. Um. But like, like we say, we started writing our books on the ninth. I want to say the ninth of August. Um. I'm on forty-six and a half k, and we've still got you know a week left until the ninth yeah. September. So that's my that's my whoop. A bit of a, a personal best. It's cool, man. Selfish one. <laughs> no, it's good. It's we were talking earlier. It. it so I've been doing some running. <laughs> um, the whole writing thing and word counts and getting words down on a page is, to me, I've realized how similar it is to running. So when I first started, I could only run like a single mile and it would take me 20 minutes. Now I can do twice that in, in the same amount of time and I don't feel as, as drained from it. Um, it's so similar to running, um, except, I guess, more creative. But You can be creative running. <laughs> just skips. just wobble about and wave your arms you're yeah. fine a couple of skips in there every now and again yeah. interpretive running yeah 
I guess my big whip is um, the article I sent to you today, the the Dean Wesley Smith one. Just thought it was really interesting. I thing is, I love short stories, and when someone puts together some sort of tactic or strategy for making a living with short fiction, it it hits a note with me. So Dean Wesley Smith's he's a long time writer. I think he's done a lot, like probably more than a hundred novels. He's he's got a blog that he writes every single day. He blogs. He did a blog post the other day called. Uh, making a living with short fiction and it's just a really cool post where he just goes into depth of um the economics and the math of if you want to make make a living from writing short fiction how it would break down um and then he so, so he basically says if you write a short story if you write a thousand words a day eventually by the end of the year you'll have roughly given a couple of weeks off you'd have fifty five thousand word short stories um, and I kind of think that's taking through weekends it. off as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that make, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and he said, so you make the income through various sources. He breaks it all down, um, from self-publishing on Kindle and selling to short fiction magazines. I've never had any luck with that, really. I didn't really try very hard, to be fair. But <laughs> um, I it makes you think. If I was to start again as a writer, I think I would just spend the first year writing and publishing a short story every single week so so in the weekdays monday to friday i do five thousand words um and then the saturday i'd edit it and make a cover and the sunday i'd publish and i just keep doing it um and you, you probably won't make a full-time income from it but i'm sure you make a bit on the side and you're going to learn so much from doing it yeah it's a great way to to hone your craft i mean i've tried a couple of times submitting short stories to magazines and that but i think i suffer from that I, I hate rejection and it's not even rejection with a lot of the magazines because you don't even hear back. Yeah. It's just, it's just like being ignored, but it, it was interesting seeing the breakdown and seeing how much work and how long it would take to make a reasonable income. And I think if I remember rightly, it was the way that he broke it down. It came to after three years of working on it, you'd sort of be averaging about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars yeah something like that yeah like a basic, basic income yeah yeah which i mean if people are interested in or seriously um wanting to write short stories and go mm. down that route it's it's not a bad path to follow it's just knowing that you have to put in that work and i think that's what scares a lot of people yeah i think one of the points in the post uh is about work ethic and you're saying you have to con- consistently and constantly write and publish and i kind of feel like that's what we're doing maybe not short stories uh, specifically but mm. we're doing a bit of a mix of everything um but we're doing more than a thousand words a day generally yeah well if you think of the other stories as well that's you know a short story at least one a month from each writer so yeah we're definitely yeah it's bringing that stuff out and i think yeah one of the um little notes in that which struck a chord with me and also um i was listening to the self-publishing podcast guys today one of their yeah. old episodes um, and uh, Johnny B. Truant says exactly the same in that, which is the whole, don't tell me you have no time. I don't want to hear excuses. Either you want to do it or you don't. Yeah. And I love that note of, because I mean, I was the same when I started writing. It was always, how am I going to find half an hour to write per day? And yeah. it does feel like a big hurdle until you get to the point that you start doing it. And I guess it depends how much you want it, because I used to love gaming i used to love watching tv and i still do but now it's a case of which takes 
priority and for me now that's writing so yeah yeah the excuse is just invalid if if it's something you're actually after it's the same with saving money (laughs) so (laughs) the basic um i don't want to get too much into economics and finance stuff but (laughs) The basic gist of saving money is you're supposed to save 10% of your income every month. That's like, that's the best, most basic advice that everyone says. 10% of your income every month. Now he's, now they say, put that aside first and then, then work your expenses out and your free money and your spending money out from what's left. So I kind of feel like with writing, I'm going to set myself aside the writing time first and then we're going to spend the rest of the time divvying that into free time to watch films and read and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the same. And I kind of, it, it is almost like a transaction. If I get to a point where, say, for example, last week where I was ill, yeah. where I thought I would have to, you know, lie in and give my body that time to rest. Mm. That meant that lunchtime or in the evening after my son's gone to bed, just giving that extra half an hour because you're trading that for the rest. And it's that yeah. kind of balancing things out. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on the right path. And I think th- there is no excuses with time. I I mean, you've got it. I think you've got it worse than me. Not worse, but like, cause you've got a kid. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah, demanding. But... Yeah. We've, yeah. Got a, we've got a cat. He can be quite demanding. You have two cats. We have one. I know. You, yeah. You have two. <laughs> I, have a, I have a female human called cat and a, and a feline cat called Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And it is also, um, again, along that sort of strain, I did see um, a picture go up on Facebook earlier from one of my friends, which I've seen go around a lot, but it's so poignant, which is um, don't tell me you don't have time to send a text. It takes three seconds. <laughs> yeah. And so your friends will make time for who they want to make time for. So, And it's right. If, if you get a text through, and I, I've done it before. I know that I have where I've been like, oh, can't be bothered to answer that right now. When it would just take five seconds, it'll be done. Yeah. So, yeah. No excuses, I think, is the bottom line. Yeah, sort of our priorities. Um, okay, so if, so we get onto our main meal, yeah, main course for the for day. It. Go for our um, uh, meaty meal. Okay, so so I'm still working out. My, I think my thoughts on on and theories on the idea of st- uh, story driven plots or character driven plots. So why don't you go first and sort of give you a basic idea of what what you believe is best or or yeah. your understanding of it? Yeah. Okay, so. In stories, no matter what sort of category you're going through, whether it's comics, film, interpretive dance, whatever you're doing, um, personally, I find that it comes a lot, the overarching themes tend to come down a lot to either the set of characters that are in a particular situation Hmm. or the situation in which they're in as as the main highlights for a story. Um, So, I mean, a couple of, just small examples, uh, and people might disagree with this. People might see it as the other way around in the stories. It's how I interpret it. Um, but things like The Lord of the Rings, for me, is a very plot-driven story. Right, It's okay. about a group of characters that, I mean, put aside all the um, appendices of, you know, the history and that, but the main story of The Lord of the Rings is the characters, their journey from one end to the other to destroy the One Ring. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that is a long fantasy tale about the plot itself. There are characters in it, and obviously you do become attached to certain characters, but in my eyes, the main pull that gets you through is you wanting to see that ring get destroyed. Yeah. Whereas things like uh, Breaking Bad, for example, yeah, is a slow build of 
Brian Cranston's interpretation of Walter White suffering the things that he's suffering and how he conquers those. Yeah. And you care a lot more about how he deals with stuff rather than where the story's going to go in the long run. Mm. So, I mean, when I finished Fellowship of the Ring, I remember thinking, I want to know what happens, what lands they reach, and how the the ring thing resolves itself. I wasn't bothered about Frodo in that much depth. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, and then Breaking Bad, it was a lot more like, I don't care what happens, I just want to see how he deals with shit. So, it's interesting. So, Breaking Bad is totally a character-driven story. Do you think, when the writers sat down to write that or plot out the story, do you think they went, Walter White, what does he want? And what's what's what would he do in the situation? And then they'd, they'd written out the plot from that, mapped out the plot from there. Um, as opposed yeah. as opposed to Lord of the Rings, I guess, where he said, this needs to happen, so we're going to create a character for that to happen too. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, and I mean, from the stuff I've read about Breaking Bad, they didn't know which direction it was headed. Yeah. So I don't think when they set out that they did have all the ends tied up, they sort of started with season one. I mean, they even admitted that Jesse Pinkman was going to be killed off at the end of season one. Yeah, I saw that. Until yeah. he became such an essential character to the story that they they had to keep him because he, he was a central point around the whole thing. Yeah, and it sort of wrapped up pretty neatly in the end. Like, to to me anyway, I thought it was a great ending. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was fantastic ending. I think with anything, there are always things that I would have changed slightly but in terms of wrapping up what they had built i thought he did a fantastic job yeah so when i think about uh character driven plots or story driven plots plots i i think of the word um the term character agency have you heard of that term do you i've heard of it i don't think i'm all that familiar with it so the way i understand it is um is when the character's motivations push the plot forward so Instead of so through their their choices, like their error in judgment, so Walter White's error in judgment in terms of I'm going to make meth <laughs> to make some money, and the way he hides the the meth and the, the people he deals with, um, all of that happens because of his he's driving the plot forward basically. Instead of the plot, yeah. instead of some something needing to happen, and and they've gone like, okay, Oscar will have to, uh, Walter will have to. <laughs> will have to do this thing to make that plot ha- that point happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the what they show is how his choices affect the other characters. They don't. I mean, they have side stories with you know Walt Junior, but they're not. They're not pivotal. They're not yeah. primary. So it is more a case of it's he steers the ship. Yeah. As opposed to it being, I don't know, like God's doing an overview on what's happening. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a bad example. I can think of one, which is, it's the Netflix TV show, and it was about vampires and werewolves and stuff. Um, um, and it was produced by Eli Roth. I think he maybe directed the first episode or something. Uh, Vampire Diaries? N- no, oh. no. Um, and we'll find out. But I remember points yeah. in that where two characters were going after this one girl um, and then they met up, they had a scrap, and then he suddenly stopped scrapping and said, oh, what were we fighting for? And, it, and the other one laughed and said, I don't know. And then he went on to the next plot point. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's that's the plot driving the, the car there. Like, it's not the 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Characters driving a story at all. They it made that. no sense, yeah. Mm. I'm trying to think of a good balance. I think Shaun of the Dead is a great example of a character-driven story. So in a sense of... It all starts from his flaws. So there's a what if situa- situation. What if a zombie infestation happened? But the, the main story is is about his man child who can't grow up. And um, we start the story before the zombie infestation. We realize he can't. He doesn't know how to lead or manage his team at work. He um, he's he doesn't he doesn't tell off his best mate Ed like for for being lazy and smoking weed and stuff. Um, and he, he's living the same life over and over again. So he's stuck in this like man child life. And it's almost like, what if this guy who has all these flaws, if we put him in a zombie infestation, would he evolve? And then from there, it's pretty much all of it is just his choices. Like he is pushing the story forward every single time. Um, and sure, there's like coincidences happen. There's like, um, at the end where the escape, uh, from the Winchester pub, his, um, Jessica Stevenson, I can't remember the character's name, but she suddenly turns up with the, with the military and they sort of save them. But I still think it's mainly about Sean and how he evolves as a character. And yeah. um, it's almost like, it's almost asking the question. It's almost like the whole film is asking the question, if this happened, would this fix him? And the, the answer is, or the hypothesis is answered yes. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you could argue that the uh, that is a very very good balance you could argue that because it's seen from primarily his perspective and he is the central person yeah that that might be why that's a good balance because you do have that what if that overarching um story where people are turning it's going to happen anyway that people are somehow going to get involved yeah um and then stories that seem to jump around from perspective to perspective so again jumping back to lord of the rings or even jumping to things like um no that'll be a bad example i'll just use lord of the rings for now um game of thrones maybe as well i think is a big joints from pov to pov all the time yeah yeah yeah. um but that could be to give you more of that overarching flesh to make the plot drive on more 
Mm. I mean, Game of Thrones, I'd personally argue, is more character-driven. Mm. And I think that plot-driven stories, um, and I may argue the case if, if you don't agree, but I think the plot-driven stories used to be one of the bigger things in stories. It used to be primarily plot-driven stuff. The older stuff used to be more about, let's get these characters from here to here, we'll create their journeys afterwards. But this overarching idea yeah. is what we're going for. Whereas now, and I think primarily because filming has come so far and because shows are so sophisticated and well-written now, I think they start with the characters or they get the situation and think which characters would convey the best to the audience and, you know, make them likable, make them want to keep watching. Yeah. I mean, personally, I feel like I invest much more if I'm more interested in the character yeah. and then the situation is an afterthought for me. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely, like, I think we definitely emphasize and fall in love more with, with the main characters of the story. And if we don't, if we don't enjoy that character, then we don't tend to enjoy the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. So with Shaun of the Dead, I always go back to it just because me and Kat watched it. It was the first time she watched it. And it used to be one of my favorite films growing up. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just such a good story. And I feel like, when you've got that one character and you he's got these big flaws you can emphasize with him empathize and um it just it puts you in the story a bit more it may and you sort of it's almost like you're living through him and it's a metaphorical lesson for yourself so maybe mm. maybe that's why it resonates with people yeah and yeah i think you're right the having one main character it does make it a lot easier to connect because you don't have to worry about if you've got three or four characters, you're always going to subconsciously go, who do I like more? Who do I connect with personally? Yeah. Um, and an interesting fact, actually, I found out the other day that um, a girl that I work with won't read a book unless it's in first person because she so likes to sit in the driving seat and experience that character. Yeah. She doesn't like to be told the story. And obviously, um, first person, it's a lot of I, it's a lot of from behind the eyes of yeah. whoever you're you're doing. So Hunger Games is a fantastic example. And and she's right. You go through Hunger Games and you're reading it and you're learning all about her inner conflicts. You're learning all about how she feels in certain situations. Yeah. And small parts of um small parts of that I think resonate more strongly if you are sitting behind that sometimes don't translate if you're not. So that sounds a bit jumbled, but to clarify there's a particular part in the Hunger Games where, and I'm not going to try and spoil it, where a cat. Have you seen it? Uh, well, I've seen the I've seen the first three films. I think it was a four or two. Yeah. It was in the yeah. first three, yeah. So it's in the second second one. A character who's quite close to her dies. Um, oh, I don't want to say much more in case I ruin it. But when I read that in the book. That was first person. That was as he was dying. It explained all of her inner turmoil, everything. And I felt so, so sorry for this girl. Yeah. And then in the film, which obviously you can't quite get behind the lens in the same way. Yeah. It was it was a snap moment over in a second. And I didn't have that connection. So, yeah, I think the more you can get behind the lens of someone, the more you can put yourself in that position, the more character driven it can be. <laughs> it's a strange one. I mean... It definitely seems to first person definitely seems to add to that feeling of of the internal drama of the mm. character. I think it's more difficult to write. <laughs> is why is that? You're more limited, yeah. Aren't you? So, 
third person, you are able to say, this character is walking into a bar, by the way, on the street two blocks down is a guy with a gun. Mm. Whereas in first person, you say, I walked into a bar. Yeah, you and can't. You- you can't really have dramatic irony then with, with first person or you yeah. could, but it's very difficult. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. I mean, you can, I've seen, I've seen it done where you have um, a story told first person and then between chapters, occasionally there will be third person parts. Um, right. But it does personally, for me, it feels a lot more forced. It feels less organic. Mm. Um, and it's one of it's one of the things I consciously try and think of. I mean, I love writing in first person, and Sin- Sins of Smoke was written in first person um, because I guess I wanted to be a cowboy for a couple of hours. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you you do miss out on a lot of that. And I think now I'm always tempted to write first person, but I go third person to give myself more options. Yeah, I think. I think you put, yeah, you are, I mean, I don't mind writing um, short stories in first person. I, maybe I will write a couple of novels at some point in first person, but I don't think I'm good enough yet. <laughs> does that make yeah, sense? I think it takes practice. It does, yeah. I feel like I might be able to get, I think I did write, I have got a novella that's in first person. Um, but that, that was completely character driven. But for a novel, for what we're doing anyway with Project Dan, we're writing commercial fiction. I suppose it is going to be a bit more plot driven anyway. Yeah, I was going to actually ask that. How do you view when you started approaching? Um, oh, I've already forgot. The, um, what are we calling it now? It's either going to be because it kind of twisted names a bit, didn't it? Yeah, it's either going Working to be titles, guys. Yeah, it's either going to be they remain or they rot. Yeah. Um, so how did you approach that in terms of? I mean, it might not have been a conscious thing, but thinking yeah. about it now. So I definitely came at it from a plot place, a place of plot, a plot place at first. <laughs> um, so it was very much a post-apocalypse. We need a post-apocalypse story with some style of zombie creatures. They're not zombies, but that sort of thing. Um, and then I tried to create the character and and give him his flaw. I, I always need to start with a, a proper character flaw give him the floor as soon as possible, which is where our main character loses. I'm not going to, it's only the first part, so I'm not going to spoil too much here, but basically he loses his family straight away. Um, and it's his own fault. So then I'm hoping that the story and the plot will line up enough to, to, so towards the end of the, the seven books or the trilogy or the 20 books or whatever it ends up being, <laughs> who knows that, it was, What's the word for 50 books? <laughs> too many books, that's what it's called. Um, I'm hoping that by the end of the overarching overarching story, it will conclude his guilt or like conclude his inner story. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. all the plot stuff can happen, that's fine. And we can add as much plot as we want to because there's a lot of characters in the story anyway. But at the end, it's going to be an internal character-driven ending i believe anyway yeah because you're it, it's a lot you were saying the other day it's a lot more from his pov more than anyone else's yeah oh definitely yeah yeah so do you get quite inside of his head is that a conscious thing or is it more let's get the action let's get the story moving um it's it's probably more action than anything i mean there are there are hints of 
his past and, and former life and stuff. But again, it's it's a commercial, <laughs> it's a commercial novel, so it's going to be full of action and full of mm. um, fighting and and killing and maiming and, and that sort <laughs> of thing. Um, but because it's, his story is going to be longer as well, and trying not to give too much away of him straight away because mm. it's going to be going over the entire series. So there's other characters in there which I can give smaller internal stories that can get that can be concluded within within a single novel or within however long they're going to be there for. Does that make sense? Yeah. What about you? So how did you go about it with your story? Yeah, again, I think um, with with planning, it's always that what if situation. It's always coming up with that arc that's going to pull it all along that that conflict what what's going to be the theme that runs through um so i think in the early planning stages plot was definitely a factor yeah uh when it comes to actually writing i definitely feel like i'm a character person yeah because i I can't help it i have to kind of i've gotten into the habit of sometimes going in too deep into stuff and into the really boring details so i'm actually in that trying to work into pulling back a bit but i like to have it so that if someone's reading the chapter, they're able to identify very quickly with the character and form some kind of bond. Mm, um, yeah. Because I don't like the idea of passive characters. And I know that in a lot of books, they're, they're an essential part. You'll have, I've read books where a character's in it for a couple of pages. Yeah. And for me, that really, if I was writing that, I can't let go of that person because I'm like, yeah. let's put this person in. Oh, they could add X, Y, Z to the story. Have you um, have you found that that when you started to write a specific character, so that maybe they didn't they weren't going to play a big part at all, like Jesse, Jesse Pinkman? Have you had a Jesse yeah. Pinkman in your story when you started to write write him and gone, oh okay, there's actually something here, there's a, a thread that I can pull. I've <sighs> let me just think. I'm trying. I'm thinking back to Clockwork. I have one, but it's unexpected, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we're going to have a certain animal in it, but then yes. we, we scrapped him because something else happened. He wasn't I, needed. He wasn't needed. He wasn't needed. We had a different character who who's who's become a Jesse Pinkman. There you go. <laughs> See, I think I've actually had the reverse. Yeah. Well, I've I've kind of gone through the whole process of it. So I've got my one of my main characters is a kid called Kurt Alder, um, and. He is a foster child and originally in the planning, and again, this is early stuff, so it's not going to really take anything out. Um, actually, it might, so I won't go too deep into that. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> I've just realized, I've just remembered. Um, but okay, so Kurt's a foster child, that's all you need to know. But I've had a character that originally wasn't going to be in it, who I decided the story needs it as a bit of a pull along, as a bit of a emotional tie. Um, yeah. So that there wasn't so much loss. Uh, and when I put him into it, thought he was going to be a lot bigger than he was. And he really hasn't been. And he's kind of come along on this journey and now is faded. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had the opposite, but I'm, I'm trying to think. But I guess this is the good, I guess this would be the main takeaway that you can start with a really blank character and as you write them you can you can turn it into a more character driven story just in the writing itself and as as you're doing your first draft you can figure out more of it and you can change as you go really 
Yeah. And I think really, ultimately, it's going to be a constant um, backwards forwards between whether people prefer to write plot or they prefer to write character because I've read books where the characters have no depth, mm. but yeah. the story is fantastic and really, really interesting. But I mean, personally, for me, I think because I like that character, I miss that part. Um, and then you have people like, I, I mean, I'm a Stephen King advocate anyway, but yeah. a lot of his books, I think, for me, feel like a, a really good balance because he, he does have that what if situation. So, for example, with Cujo, what if a woman and a child yeah. went to a mechanics out in the middle of nowhere, the people weren't home and there was a rabid dog? Yeah. But as he's writing that, you're so in the characters' heads and he goes so deep into their background and their feelings that yeah. they both kind of complement each other. Yeah, I think I think that's in all honesty, I think that's my favourite approach where you have the what if situation. Um even Breaking Bad is is a what if situation. What if a high school teacher with cancer decided to cook meth? Yeah. Um you can still create a character driven story once you once you've got people in the door. Do you know what I mean? Get them in, tell them you've got cheeseburgers, and then give them a salad. <laughs> or something like along it. that. Yeah, along yeah, those yeah. lines. No, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, uh, just as another example or question, how would you view Suicide Squad? Or have you seen it yet? I've not seen it yet, no. Oh, but okay. I've, I've heard bad to mostly bad, <laughs> bad to terrible yeah. reviews, really. See, I'd definitely say that story is character driven but not in the best way is there too many cooks in the kitchen or something or what i think so yeah okay yeah, but we're gonna have a whole episode on this at some point but i feel like that's yeah we are gonna we're gonna have an episode where we talk about the dc film universe's problems and i think you are on something there one of the problems is that they've all been plot driven stories like batman v superman is although it, they have the whole martha thing it's kind of like it's not <laughs> like it's not real that doesn't it doesn't add up in a for me anyway i don't think it's believable no. it's, it's completely plot driven they're more focused on the bigger universe than they are on the actual intricacies of what yeah. are essentially just really dark characters yeah they've almost gone like right we need an emotional bit that's gonna start batman and superman fighting and then they've just made this this like shitty resolution up to it it's, just to keep it ticking over it's like this is completely character driven when it's not actually it's just it's plot it's a cheeseburger yeah. hiding in the salad. <laughs> yeah. And yep. again, it, it works in some cases, but not not always. Mm. And right. I'm not sure which is harder, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go, into, then, this, we'll go into this more, but I think Marvel do have a way better job of, of creating character-driven stories. You with, love their characters. Yeah. You, with, can't, you can't help it. You love the characters. It's character-driven story, but within a comic book universe. Like, I how, think the big... Go on. I was just going to say, how big and crazy and sci-fi and, and weird can you get and then have character driven stories within that it's yeah you can see you can still do the character driven stories in commercial yeah. worlds i think a big part of the the marvel universe is that the characters they are character driven because the characters feel like they're bouncing off each other they feel organic in their situations whereas yeah, yeah you're right it seems like the interactions between the characters in batman versus superman are purely to drive that plot along. You don't have that sort of banter. You don't have the interaction. But yeah, and the best example of that is in Batman v Superman, where he gets like the disc, and it's got all the other superheroes from the Justice League on it. And just it's like, for the hell of it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, 
Ben. We're going to do <laughs> a full episode. Shove we'll, that down your throat. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get Ben on and we'll have a big conversation about DC Film Universe and we'll try to fix it. Yeah, he'll love that. Another example, just before we <laughs> start rounding up. Yeah. Harry Potter, plot hmm. character. So I'm not. I'm thinking massive, about this one earlier. I'm not a massive Harry Potter person, but I'm thinking plots just from my knowledge of the films. And I'm trying to think. I can't really think. I don't think Harry is driving the story that much. No, I agree. I think the overarching plot is massively important. And uh, don't get me wrong, J.K. Rowling does a fantastic job, and I'm a massive fan of Harry Potter books um, up until the end of Seven, and then anything after that is. Wishy wash, but um, no, you're right. Harry, when you go into it, he's not an interesting character. He's not complex. He has a couple of flaws that drive that plot, mm. and she creates, you know, seven fantastic books that have sold phenomenally well. So, um, I think I think there are pros and cons to both. Yeah, uh, I think more so nowadays in terms of TV shows and film you see more character driven stuff you see a lot more powerful memorable characters yeah um and that's the kind of stuff that i mean personally i like yeah me too like even like cartoons like bojack horseman have you watched mm. bojack um, yeah i've seen a few episodes of that so you you think a like a animated comedy you think the simpsons family guy that sort of silly irreverent humor but it's completely character driven and it's completely like emotional <laughs> there's been yeah, a couple yeah. episodes that have really got me but um it's Aww. good <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah it's amazing uh okay so we're about there to wrap up man i don't know if you got any final points you wanted to make uh no just the same with most of stuff for writing and it kind of um makes it seem obsolete really but you know we're, we're here to help whenever we can but I don't think in the long run it doesn't matter too much if you go plot or character, but there's a definite distinction between the two. And I think it's good to identify what you're trying to do, especially if you're doing several books or if you're writing several games or if you're doing comics, Yeah. Um, just to kind of have a bit of a, an underthought about where yeah. it sits on that spectrum. I think, yeah, I think if you go too far either way, it's probably going to be something wrong. <laughs> So yeah, I think you've got to be somewhere in the middle at least. I'd say sixty percent character and forty percent plot, but don't hold me to that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think that's our preference. Some mm. people might go the other way, uh, yeah, and prefer the plot to the character, but I don't know. Okay, um, so next week we have Matthew Stutt on. Oh, I'm so excited. He's, I guess, he's kind of a friend. I mean, we talked to him here and there. Um, he's a horror author, and so I guess we're going to be talking about. He's also a screenwriter. Um. I guess we're going to be talking about writing and publishing horror books and, yes. and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, yeah, hopefully speak a bit about his latest book, Apocalypse Hill, which for anyone that hasn't read it is on Amazon. I'm already plugging him, but <laughs> I'm just yeah, it'll be cool to talk to him because, yeah. um, like you say, we've spoken sort of through messages and that, but it'll be good to see him face to face. Yeah, man, definitely. Cool, okay, go to hawkandcleaver.com, sign up to the mailing list, get a free book. In fact... I think you're going to get a few free books eventually at some point. Check out the website because Dan's been working on it and it's had some improvements. Yeah, happy with it. Cool. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Well, see you later, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show? 
the other stories. Oh. And did you know? Every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway. Toodlepip. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.